on time to talk sports with raw mind. Game day, who plays with updates of all kinds? From press box to sideline, who got cut, who got signed? Who's clutch when it's crunch time? The starting lineup or the pine? These athletes compete, some without even trying. You want a championship, you gotta grind. When them bright lights shine, and this game go nine, they gon' cover the story not quite like Ryan. Exclusive interviews, dudes plug like Mike Line. He's got the inside scoop of why, who got fine? Prime. Time. Got the game statistics. I could say, if you wasn't at the game, you missed it. But now Raw Mind Sports covers the distance. Front row, that's close like a coach's assistant. You want to be in the know? Eyes open and listen. This is Raw Mind Sports, another edition. Welcome to another edition of Raw Mind Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Jones Sr. And today I got Frederick Cannon of Ascension Ascension Sports, if I'm saying it correct. <laughs> how you do, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. Before we talk about that organization of yours, let's get to know Frederick Cannon, where you grew up at, and the sports, the things that you did as a youngin' to get you to where you're at now. I grew up in the country. It's in the most rural area <laughs> that you can think of. <laughs> this small town called uh, Yanceyville, North Carolina. Uh, I was right on the border of North Carolina and Virginia, uh, right below Danville, Virginia, um, above Greensboro. Um, grew up there my whole life. Um, baseball was probably the most popular sport in that area uh, because it was so rural. We didn't have a YMCA, oh, Boys and Girls Club, anything like that to, to provide gym access. So as far as basketball went, you know, if you, you know, we was fortunate enough. We had a full court uh, outside of our house, but it was a dirt court. um, (laughs) And you just made it work, you know, so. (laughs) And the only time you had access to the gym was once you made, uh, you know, me growing up, we had middle school. Then you had junior high, which was seventh and eighth grade. And then you had high school. So we had middle school teams. Um, So that was the first time you really had access to a gym. Uh, was starting in seventh grade, and then she just moved up with junior high and high school, which I I played in all of them. But I played baseball and basketball the whole time. Uh, baseball is my primary sport. I was what I was recruited for. Um, but I love I always love basketball more than anything else. Always um, was enamored with the ACC growing up. We didn't have cable, so I don't think I had was Raycom Sports. So I watched oh, man. ACC. I watched ACC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I watched it all day and uh, used to buy Street Smiths um, just to find out who all the other guys were around the country. And I just, I would say probably about seven years old, I would have every Street Smith circle everybody's names, who did what at what camps. And I was just, you know, fascinated with it. And uh, I still had the same type of passion for it to this day. But I went to college at UNC Charlotte. Uh, for ah. academics and then uh got an internship after my sophomore year there back in greensboro and it was supposed to be just a summer internship with vf corp and uh, it turned out to be a longer stint so i transferred to uncg so i could keep uh working at the company as well as going to school so i finished up both of my undergraduate degrees and master's degree at uncg and uh during that time period my freshman year i started volunteering coaching at the ymca and uh it just took off from there. I started doing skill development back in 2000, coached my first team in 2000, hmm. and went from 
uh, working at the YMCA to meeting Keith Gatlin and Delaney Rudd. They both had just finished playing their careers overseas yeah. and wanted to start an AAU program in Greensboro for all the kids who got cut from uh, the Greensboro Warriors of the North Carolina Gators. And uh, that's really where my introduction to grassroots started back in 2001. And we went from coaching U-Triple-S-A Division Two all the way to, you know, of course, directing Team Felton now, um, you know, kind of a nationally known program. And uh, coach middle school basketball, coach high school basketball, JV, uh, assistant on varsity. So kind of basketball has been in me for almost 21 years now. So that's kind of the, the, the short version of the story. <laughs> but one, I'm from a small town, too, by the fact of Tarboro, North Carolina. Okay. So I understand the, the – yeah. <laughs> the small area, <laughs> yeah. but big things happen in a small area. We we look Definitely. at Montrez Harrell's in the NBA, going to the Lakers now. Ty Gurley, probably one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, you know, for for what people say, I think he's one of the best. And you got other people that's that's just is there. That's well, those just two guys. I have other elite people like Kevin Bryant, Donald Frank, the elite right. drone the guys that came here football wise, basketball wise. It's kind of unique because. Montrez is, you know, the guy that, you know, sees it. I mean, that's there now. But uh, now to that part, you said, and you were very observant at seven years old, what I saw. Mm-hmm. Like, you were still you were studying the game earlier, witnessing and just doing things. Like, how did you get into that at that age? Like, it just hit you or something? Like, was a guy giving talent? What was it? Like, the learning. Nah, my brother, who is uh, six years older than me, he was like that, too. And we both collected, like, basketball cards, football cards, all that stuff. And he would always, you know, look at the stats and hmm. be looking at all the stats on the cards and all that. And that's kind of where it started. Yeah. But he was such a big Carolina fan that I always just wanted to root against whoever he was cheering for. <laughs> so <laughs> I would start learning. I would start learning, you know, the guys on the other teams so I could, you know, talk trash back to him whenever he talked about the Carolina guys. And we used to also play um, outside to 100. We played one-on-one to 100. We did it every day. By one point a piece? Or like it's twos? No, it's twos and threes. Okay, okay, okay. Two, yeah, twos Ooh. and threes. Um, but we did it every day. And uh, I would just always imagine, like, if I was wait for us, you know, I would say, you know, Randolph Childers bring the ball up the court and uh-huh. shoot it. And so I just – that was just my way of kind of integrating myself into the game. But I just loved it, like, imitating those guys and – you know, I, I did it nonstop. I couldn't wait to get home from school to just go find out, you know, who was playing that night. Um, I was infatuated with the coaches as well, uh, like Bobby Crimmins and uh, Gary Williams was at Maryland at the time. Jimmy B was at NC State. Dean was at UNC. Like, the ACC was so loaded with coaches. I really paid attention to how they handled certain situations. Um, I don't know where that came from. I think that was God-given. Um, because I can remember like nine or 10 years old arguing with people in the barbershop about who's the better coach um, and looking up information pre-internet <laughs> to, su- <laughs> to support my argument. But I've always just been fascinated with how the coaches were able to manage the teams. And, uh, you know, kind of you could see an identity with each one of those coaches. They were great in their own right, but all those teams played different. Maryland was completely different than Georgia Tech or Carolina was completely different than Duke. I was just fascinated by that and still am. Oh, wow. I know one thing about Randall Childress. He's always gets fascinated about uh, people, you know, liking what he used to do. 
you know, that's my cousin and this dad's okay. my uncle. So, you know, uh, we talk a lot. So I think he would be fascinated about that little short story you said. <laughs> Definitely. I told him. Uh, I remember the very first time we spoke on the phone as him being a coach. And I said, man, I just got to get this out the way before we talk, you know, business. <laughs> I said, man. I said, you my favorite college basketball player all the time. Like, it's not even close to me. Like, Randolph was – Yeah. He made me hoop in the T-shirt the whole nine yards. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, him and Brian Stith um, and Corey Alexander are probably the three guys that I watched yeah. the most growing up. But, yeah, Randolph, that's that's my guy right there. <laughs> well, man, <laughs> now I'm going to get into the coaching part. When you start coaching after you and Keith Gatlin got together, y'all trying to get a team together because a lot of guys was getting cut from mm -hmm. the other team, the, um, the North Carolina Gators. Yeah, that's right. How did that process go with parents? And how did you, even with the guys that got cut, how did you manage to get them guys actually play for you? I mean, what was something that you did? Because you, hey, you, we all know. I'm going to give it raw thoughts here. You got to be able to prove who you are. or Because everybody ain't going to get every player. So you got to be able to talk to these players, these parents. It's just like a whole, it's, it's, it's a recruitment thing, just like college basketball is. So tell me, like, what was your, your stick plan that, that allowed you to get those players? Well, I didn't get those plays. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. you're yeah, right. So basically how it worked was uh, at the time, it wasn't like it is now where you got, you know, 100 teams in one city. Right, right. You basically had the Gators. They were the top program, period. Um, they got who they wanted, and then the Warriors got kind of the leftovers from that usually. Hmm. And then everything else was just wide open. There was no real competition for those kids, but there wasn't a whole lot of focus on development. Ah. Back then – Back then, if you were good, you played AAU. If you weren't good, you didn't play. Right, <laughs> that right. was it. <laughs> uh, so back then, what we wanted to do was provide an alternative for those kids. And I was already skill training at that point at the okay, Greensboro okay. Sports Play. So we had myself, uh, Phil Tottenham, who was the AD out at New Garden Friends School for a long time. Guy Shavers, who was a state championship coach at Southwest Guilford. Delaney Rudd was doing one-on-ones at the time. Uh, Keith Gatlin was doing one-on-ones at the time, and I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but we were all doing skill development. This was before training was uh, such a mass market. Yeah. Um, so what happened was we found out the other organization had cuts, and it was like 100 kids that didn't have anywhere else to play. So we just decided that we was going to open it up and see how much interest we would get. And, man, we, I think we had like 250-some kids between various age groups showed up. We didn't do any cuts. We just took all the kids. So okay. we put – we capped all the teams at 10. We didn't even look at talent. We're just like, if you want to play, this is what the setup is going to be. We're going to play U-Triple-SA. Um, the Greensboro Sportsplex um, had just been taken over by the city of Greensboro. So we're, that's where we made our home base. And that's when we started hosting all the U-Triple-SA tournaments up there. So we just played U-Triple-SA because we could get a bunch of games in. And the kids didn't really like to travel, so we could keep the cost down. But I remember the very first team we had, um, I think it was 10U was the, the team I had. I think we scored four points uh, the first game. You'll never forget that. You'll never forget that. And we had a three-point off the jump ball. So, but that same team, <laughs> that same team, we ended up uh, finishing 500 that year. Um, the next year, we ended up winning Division Two states and Division Two national championship. The next year, we won U-Triple-S-A Division I states mm. and went back to Division I U-Triple-S-A uh, uh, Nationals. And uh, that's kind of where my name began to grow. Uh, I was kind of like, okay, he can take these kids 
and get them better. Um, and once I did that, I, a lot of those kids that played for me on those teams followed me to a middle school job at Lincoln Middle School. I think they had won like two games or three games or something before we came in. And then next year, I think we only lost like two or three games. Um, then immediately I got moved up to the high school at Western Guilford High School. And it just kind of kept progressing. Um, but a lot of the kids in the area, once we kind of provided that alternative, you begin to see like USBA form, USSA form. Yeah. The shoe circuits kicked in about 2006 or seven or so. So you've you been around CP3. the game for a while. You just see yeah. it all from the bottom to the top. From, from the bottom <laughs> to the top. So basically, you can kind of see that trend that you were talking about kick in about 2007, 2008. Because then you had CP3, Team United, Garner Road was always around. Those were the big dogs. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when you start seeing the recruiting part right. aspect kick in and the shoes and the gear and all that stuff yeah. came in. So that, that's when the game really changed was about like 06, 07. And then after that, it's been a rat race ever since. Um, hunting down these kids. You got that right. What I was going to say, the, probably the better question is the kids, you already knew the kids you had already mentally was already out of it because it got cut from a really good team. So they could have easily gave up. Yeah. But they ended up coming to you. What was the yeah. thing that you did to let them know that they're okay and, you know, you still have a chance to go somewhere and play basketball? Just because you didn't make this team, you're here, and I'm going to prep you and train you to become a better basketball player. Yeah, I'm big on that with kids in general. Um, my mom was a kindergarten teacher for over 30 years, and I just always heard her, like, do positive reinforcement and encouragement and kind of mm. putting the mindset in them that you're better than what your situation is. Hmm. And that's something I carried over with me to coaching. Um, with that first group, my goal wasn't like, okay, we're going to get these kids in college. My main thing was I told them, I promised them they wouldn't get cut from the middle school team. I said, if we train like we're supposed to and y'all listen to me, I guarantee you won't get cut. Um, that was my first goal with that first team. We're going to get you to middle school and you're going to make this team. Um, you won't get cut again. And I just kind of taught them to take getting cut from their AU team as motivation to make sure you're prepared for middle school and high school. And we just focused on that every single day. And I was only charging like $10 for our lesson because I wanted kids to be able to come three or four times a week as opposed to charging $50 an hour or whatever the case may be. And I see a kid four times a month. Um, <laughs> So that first group, we would have two two days of practice for two hours. And then I made it mandatory that we uh, do trainings for the other days at the $10. So my kids were in the gym five, six days a week. And then we would play on the weekends. So they were getting so much basketball, they had no choice. Right, but to get, but better. To get better. Yeah, so I think the other part of it is at the time I was only like 20, maybe 21. And the kids were already like 10 or 11. Oh, <laughs> so, boy. <laughs> so I was young enough to relate to the kids without being a kid. And then I was old enough to still manage the parents because that's the hardest part um, is managing the parents. <laughs> and being 20 years old, I had a very special group of parents that were, you know, they let me stumble as a coach, as a young coach, without, you know, jumping on me, all that good stuff. And they really provided me a solid foundation to really get into the game and establish myself. Man, nice. Let's talk about Ascension Sports and why was it created. And I see a lot of stuff you post on Facebook about certain players, like guys you had probably that went somewhere off a of college scholarship. After the scholarship, of course, 
academically still good too. Like you say, right. um, no student loans is your hashtag. So yeah. with that being said, let's let's talk about that. And where was that? Where did that start? So basically for Team Felton basketball, which I was director of uh, Raymond Felton's uh, grassroots basketball team, our goal once we established that in 2008 was to make sure all of our kids had the opportunity to go to school um, on scholarship. Part of that process was me advertising those kids, um, social media, email, reaching out to coaches, in-person visits with coaches. And I was doing all this for Team Felton and our first graduating class was 2015, all the way up to 2020. And every single one of our kids has gone to school on scholarship. Um, so for me, it was one of those things of all my team Felton kids are going to school. I wanted to be able to offer that same service to kids outside of my program. And that's where I came up with Ascension Sports. Because you know, like I do, once you get on that shoe circuit side, everybody wants it to be you do this for, say you were Under Armour. <laughs> you do this just for Under Armour kids, and you right. just do it for Team Felton kids because we want to show that Under Armour is better than Nike or Adidas is better than whatever. So that part frustrated me because I think if you can help a kid, you help. You should help a kid. Right. Yeah, um, but of course with some contract obligations, right? Non competes and all that stuff, like it really tied your hands to the point where Ascension I came up with to kind of be an alias of what I was already doing. So early on, I started Ascension Sports. Nobody knew it was mine. I was just telling people to register. And then I was still helping those kids from other programs get scholarships. And then finally, once the non-compete was out of our contract, I could come out and say, hey, Ascension Sports is Fred Cannons and we doing X, Y, and Z. Um, But basically what I started it as was helping high school seniors who didn't have scholarship opportunities and providing them a chance to, for me to market them to see what we could get, you know, for athletic scholarships were. And so far every Ascension client has received a scholarship as well. Um, And then I started getting contact by JUCO transfers, a ton of them. Can Mm. can you help me? Um, The most recognizable was Ryan Murphy. Uh, he's from Calabasas, California. Um, he was at New Mexico Junior College. Um, he had played 10 games. He was at UNC Charlotte first. Okay. Mark Price gets fired, and he didn't have anywhere to go. Right. So he went That's JUCO. Goes. He played <laughs> JUCO for 10 games. He was shooting like 55% from three. He was averaging like some crazy numbers. And he reached out to me, and uh, he picked up like 17 offers in like a week and a half, um, including Pittsburgh. Sheesh. And uh, he ended up committing to Pittsburgh, got the 10 games, enrolled in school in December, and then went on to average like 22 or 23 minutes a game his year at uh, Pitt. And uh, once that happened, I started helping out quite a few guys. Um, Trey McGowan was one of the kids who's a North Carolina, well, South Carolina kid, uh, played AU at Team United, uh, was at Pittsburgh, now he's at Nebraska. Jalen Harris, uh, another North Carolina yeah, kid. Everybody knows uh, Jalen. Yeah, have Jalen uh, situation from Arkansas to Georgetown. So just some of these kids, just kind of when they get in some situations where it's not working out, they can reach out to me and, you know, we try to take care of that. Um, and then it expanded into I had college coaches reaching out. Hey, can you market me? Help me get some looks as far as moving from assistant coaching. And um, I had some guys like Jackie Manuel, um, Sam Hunt, who went from a GA at NC State to staff at a and uh, so it's kind of becoming a full service 
kind of marketing placement, you know, company uh, where I'm helping college coaches. I'm helping high school coaches, um, high school athletes and all transfers from all levels. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to full effect. And we recently just partnered up with a company called React. Uh, they do NCAA uh, compliance. Um, uh -huh. And that company is run by Kelly Brooks. But they can basically tell an athlete if they transfer, especially right now, because they got the immediate transfer rule in place. So if a kid transfers from one college to another, they used to have a whole year to catch up on the academics. Now that they can play right away, a lot of these kids aren't going to graduate because if those courses don't transfer, mm. they don't have time to make up. And what Kelly's React company does is basically explains to the parents and the athlete, if you transfer to this university, you're going to be short. 18 credits, 20 credits, whatever the case may be. So you know up front. Before you even transfer. Before you transfer, what your academic situation is going to look like. Because there's going to be a lot of athletes who transfer thinking about the sport, and they're going to finish up their eligibility and not have a degree. Um, so we teamed up with them to make sure kids, when they transfer, can still get um, qualified. Also with the rules where they weigh the standardized testing scores for high school kids for entry, the colleges still have academic requirements for you to get in. You can't just get into Wake Forest with a 700 uh, right, <laughs> right, right. SAT score. <laughs> so we go ahead and let the parents know kind of what the requirements are to get into these universities without the standardized testing. But uh, we partner with them. We also partner with Steph Welsh, um, who does the ICU recruiting report scouting service out of Virginia. Steph does a phenomenal job. He's a team loaded guy. Um, but, but again, if you're in Virginia for right now, I think he's about to expand that program a little bit. I see you. Uh, Steph is doing great things with it. I think a kid has received a scholarship um, during each one of his camps so far. So uh, those are kind of things we got going on. So we, we kind of casting a broad net, but the whole thing is just to help these kids. Absolutely, man. And you definitely started from the bottom. Now you're here because you went to the ascending <laughs> to just helping high school players to college players to not even college coaches getting kids transferred. Like that's a lot of work, man. So that means is what the young folks says. Young folks say you real in the field. You've been out there. <laughs> Cause man, that's a lot. Like that's a whole lot to be since from back before everything started to know a lot and knowledgeable about it. And I'm glad people who was going to be watching this episode, who was watching this and listen to this episode is going to be excited about like the things that you have and you could possibly help out. So in, in closing on um, Frederick, what is something else you want to say? And what do you want people to know about you and this program? Uh, the one thing I always tell, one thing I always tell parents is your kids already have enough pressure on them as is. Um, social media is putting a lot of unnecessary pressure on these kids to feel like they need validation. Um, and so when you, your son or daughter has a bad game, I know it's easy to kind of want to go off on them in the car, you know, whatever the case may be. But I always tell parents, if you can do one thing for your kid, as soon as that game's over, tell them you're proud of them, tell them that they're, they're your favorite player, and then start your discussion about, I thought you could have, you know, played better defense or whatever the case may be that you saw that they didn't execute the right way. Um, because it's hard when you see another kid get a scholarship offer. And it's being blasted on Twitter. And you're like, well, why me? When is my turn coming? And I get it. Um, but at the same time, as a parent, you want to make sure that you heed 
that that kid has to have some type of form of support. It can't be everybody's. I'm letting everybody down. Um, so just parents, I would say, look, you know, you already invested your time and your money. Don't throw it away by making your kid not love the game anymore. Uh, by being the coach has already cussed them out, <laughs> and then you're gonna double down on it in the car. It, it just makes the situation right that much tougher. So uh, definitely want to lead parents with that. I also want to talk to the 21 kids. Uh, I mean, they got the perfect storm thrown at them with the live periods being canceled. You know, high school basketball, you know, is up in the air for a lot of kids. But I would tell parents and the kids, the scholarships still have to be given out. Um, and everybody's under the same, you know, affected by COVID the same way. You just have to make sure you do your part that you you send your information out that your house hold your high school coaches accountable to make sure they're filming these games and that they send the, the video out but you still have an opportunity to get scholarships so don't don't let COVID defeat you make sure your grades you're doing your online work uh because there's gonna be no passes for <clears throat> you not doing your work at the house so make sure you stay on top of your academics and then just for myself um I think people should just know I enjoy doing what I do um I love being around the kids. I love meeting all the parents and helping people that, you know, I didn't know before. Um, basketball has been great to me. And uh, I always tell people, I already, we have the other hashtag GBMS, and that's God bless my success. Oh, wow. um, and, and I tell kids all the time, there's no reason for me to be in the position that I'm in. Um, I was a baseball guy, and I've been fortunate to do some great things and basketball and I always tell kids I already know God had to put that purpose in me because it doesn't make sense for me to be the guy that's kind of doing these things so um if I could say anything about myself is that I'm extremely thankful for all the parents and the kids that have trusted me to help them reach their goals and you know I'm extremely blessed because of it. you heard it from um, Mr. Cannon here but I got one raw question before we leave Mm-hmm. Mikey Williams has came to North Carolina. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on Mikey Williams? Everybody's been giving this big, great, big hype, all that stuff. We got a lot of kids in the hoop state that play really good. So give me your thoughts on Mikey Williams. Like, is he the top of the top or he's in, he's in there somewhere? Um, I would say it's, it's dangerous to kind of classify these kids at freshman and sophomore year. Um, obviously, he is a God-given physical ability. Uh, for a kid his size to be able to do what he does with his body, He's top tier in that aspect. Um, you're not going to find too many athletes in ninth, 10th grade that can finish with contact and that type of deal. From a skill set standpoint, I think he's good. It's just kind of be kind of identifying what he is. Um, it's one thing to be able to shoot a little bit, dribble a little bit, but are you a point guard? Are you a combo guard? Kind of what's going to be your staple? And that's when I think you start seeing separation between kids. Once you can identify a kid as a Whatever that's, I always say, whatever your special power is. If I can identify what your special power is, then you're, you're a great player. But when I just say that you're a good athlete, at a certain point, you're going to get to a level where everybody's athletic. So Oof. now how do you counteract that? That's the part that I would like to see from him. And I think tonight's game that they have against uh, the Burlington School uh, with kids like Jamari Thomas, who's a hungry kid, uh, he's athletic. He's also a senior that's looking for the same validation that Mikey has. So it's going to be interesting to see how yeah. he handles people going at him like that. Because one thing moving from California to North Carolina, these kids, 
these kids want it. Like they, they yeah. want it. It's ain't Hollywood. For, yeah, they, they hand it to you. To this matchup, <laughs> and there's a lot of good kids in the state in that class. Um, Trey Parker, uh, Isaiah, uh, down in uh, Fayetteville. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of kids. Like it's just a lot of kids in that 22, 23 class, 24 that they're gonna be right. looking for him. And if he dominates these matchups. Then I think he's he, he creates a narrative for himself. If he dominates North Carolina, then he's as advertised. But I think he's gonna get he's gonna get just as much as he gives. That that would be my prediction. But I think this he's definitely a talented kid. I think it's easy for adults to sit back and criticize his kid. And I, I think looking at his situation it reminds me a lot of Seventh Woods. Um, yeah. They Seventh was and is a super talented ball player. But when you start putting expectations on a kid at mm. 14, 15 years old, that's a lot of burden for that kid to carry. Um, Mikey seems to be doing well with the celebrity part of it. But at some point, I don't care who it is, outside of LeBron James, most people can't carry that torch right, from 14 right. years old <laughs> all the way through. So I just hope the kid has a good – I just hope he has a good support system uh, for when the time does get rough that he can pull himself back together and keep it stable. Um, but I think the kid's a super talented kid, man. I, I'm glad he's here. Um, and I, I think – I wish we could actually be at the games to watch it. Right, But right. I, I'm glad he's here. Um, I think it's going to be a great thing for the Hoop State. Absolutely. I had to give it to you folks. I had to let Frederick can <laughs> drop the gem on us right here. So I had to ask him one question. So I asked him since he in the recruiting game. He knows it. With that being said, Frederick Cannon, man, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And everybody – Hope you enjoy this knowledgeable show that we just had with Freddie That's it, folks. Raw thoughts.